0: I'm Frank Miller, and I approve this message. Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Every week we crisscross the country in our specially decked out tour bus. We spread the gospel of democracy, capitalism, and self-reliance. And along the way we track down all the important info that you need to know about the financial markets. And uh, some of the unimportant info too. And this week we've got politics on our minds. Yes, the primaries are over, the general election is just about to get ramped up, And we'll take a quick look back at the money spent during the primaries. We'll look at who raised the most, who spent the most, and who got the most bang for the buck. And we'll also take a look at this week's long-awaited Federal Reserve meeting. I know, that's not quite politics, but hey, the Fed is kind of a cousin to the Congress and the White House, right? Well, maybe a 3rd cousin twice removed kind of thing. And uh, we don't get to elect FOMC members, but hey, they sure talk like politicians, and uh, our taxes pay their salaries. So, hey, fair game as far as I'm concerned. And as always, we'll take a look around at what you may have missed last week in the world of finance. And we'll look ahead to what's next for the markets. This is the Billionaires Don't Beg edition of Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Bob Roberts, and I approve this message. Vote for me, and I will bring the values of the common man to bear in Washington, D.C. I will bring youth and experience and passion and belief. All right, let's take a quick look at how the markets did last week. It was a choppy few days, and there wasn't really a lot of news to drive trading. Wall Street generally looked to other markets for guidance. When oil went up, stocks got a boost. Crude rallied to its highest level of 2016 early in the week. The price of a barrel of crude topped $51 at one point. However, it backed off in the last few days, taking some air out of the stock markets. Meanwhile, overseas markets weighed on investor sentiment. Specifically, Wall Streeters were a little nervous about movement in overseas bond markets. Sovereign debt yields from Japan to Germany hit record lows. The drop in yields reflected a little bit of concern ahead of the Fed's meeting. It also came from fears surrounding Britain's referendum later this month on whether to stay in the European Union. So, how about that Fed meeting? Well, now's about as good a time as any to take a look. Well, it looks like uh, the meeting will kick off on Tuesday, and the results are scheduled to be announced Wednesday afternoon. A rate hike now, though, is looking pretty unlikely. You may remember back in May, you know, the uh, the more innocent days of, um, two weeks ago, when life was good and pure and true. Well, way back then, bets on the futures market suggested that there was a bigger than 25% chance that the Fed was going to raise rates at this month's meeting. Well, but then came that pesky May jobs report. And in case you forgot about that, the government said the economy just added 38,000 jobs in the month. Economists were expecting, oh, about 150,000. Yeah, so after that jobs report, the chance of a June rate hike plunged to 4%. Last week, we heard a bit from Fed Chair Janet Yellen, who was making an appearance at the World Affairs Council of Philadelphia. She expressed some renewed concerns about the health of the U.S. job market. Yellen still predicts higher interest rates on the way. She also said that she expects the economy will continue to improve, allowing for gradual rate hikes at an unspecified time. With those remarks, the chance of a rate hike this week stands at a minuscule 2%. Still, though, it doesn't mean the Fed meeting is without drama. Every Fed meeting comes with a statement that explains just how policymakers see the economy. Investors are going to scrutinize every single word from that commentary to try to guess when the next rate hike is coming. Meanwhile, Janet Yellen will hold a press conference after the announcement, and this will give some further clues as to where rates are headed. We're pretty sure that there's not going to be a hike this time, but if not now, when? Well, if we take a look at these same futures markets, investors are predicting a 23% chance of a rate hike in July. There's a 37% chance that there will be a rate hike by September. And the markets are pricing in a 60% chance of higher rates by the end of the year. So to review, the job market in the economy might be slowing down a little, but we're still likely looking at higher interest rates sometime within the next six months. And yes, Hillary and Donald, that might be the economy you're fighting to get blamed for. (laughs) Good luck with that. Ladies and gentlemen, why can't you get ahead? Why can't you have the home of your dreams, the fast car, a nice vacation? Why has your American dream been relegated to the trash heap of history? I'll tell you why. Oh, speaking of uh, Hillary and Donald, well, those uh, primaries are finally over. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are going to be our candidates. Yes, the conventions are coming up next month. From now until November, the campaigns are going to dominate the news. Each candidate is going to spend the next four and a half months predicting that the other one is bent on bringing financial disaster and global ruin. So before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of the general election, why don't we take a look back at the primaries? Now, the Republican campaign was kind of like the baptism scene from The Godfather. Donald Trump said words he might not really believe in. Meanwhile, his enemies were brutally dispatched one by one. Meanwhile, over on the Democratic side, that race was kind of like this year's NBA Finals, wasn't it? The outcome was never really a doubt, but, you know, we were all kind of pulling for that underdog to make a show of it because, hey, we kind of feel bad for their fans. But what about the financial side of things? Well, according to a New York Times article, the biggest spender this primary season was a bit of a surprise. It was actually Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Sanders spent a whopping $207 million in his primary campaign. Now that's after raising nearly $213 million. Almost 100% of that came from campaign donations. Not bad for a self-proclaimed socialist from Vermont, a state with a total population less than the city of Boston, believe it or not. In comparison, Hillary Clinton spent about $182 million and raised more than $296 million. She had a bit of help from Paxson super PACs, though, nearly $85 million came from those sources. In terms of actual campaign donations, no one did better than the burn. And by the way, these stats come from a summary of the primary finances that The Times published in late May. As for Trump, well, billionaires, uh, they don't have to beg. Trump raised just $59 million for his campaign, but he was able to spend his own money, and TV networks were falling over themselves to get him on the air. That's by far the most frugal campaign among the major candidates. In fact, Trump's campaign raised and spent less money than Ben Carson, who got no delegates. In terms of bang for the buck, only John Kasich is in the same league as Trump. He spent less than $20 million and picked up 165 delegates. Well, what about the other contenders? Well, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio all raised more than $100 million, though all of them spent far less than they raised. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't vote for you. My life depended on it. All right, let's take a look at some of the key news from last week. Well, another bad sign for the world economy. The World Bank trimmed its global growth outlook last week. The organization blamed sluggish growth in advanced economies, as well as stubbornly low commodity prices. Weak global trade is also hurting the economic outlook. The World Bank now predicts that the global economy will grow by 2.4% this year, and that's down from its previous projection of around 2.9%. Next year's growth rate is likely to be lower than expected as well. The World Bank's projecting 2.8% growth in 2017 versus the 3.1% that it had previously forecast. A week after the dismal jobs report, there was a bit of good news about the labor market. The number of people filing first-time unemployment benefits unexpectedly dropped last week. The U.S. Labor Department revealed that initial jobless claims came in at 264,000 the weekend of June 4th. That was down around 4,000 from the previous week's revised level. Economists had expected that number to tick up a little bit from the previous week. Experts, though, were generally looking for a level of around 270,000 hey and as long as we're making ourselves feel better about the jobs data here's some other stats Uh, the u.s mortgage rates fell sharply last week and this came as banks adjusted after the dismal may jobs report the 30-year fixed rate mortgage averaged 3.6 percent in the june 9th week the 15-year fixed rate mortgage averaged 2.87 percent and that was down from 2.92 percent the previous week so uh, if you're looking to buy a home Might be a good time to look into some of those mortgages. Let's also take a look at some of the important items on tap for this week. Now, we already know about the Fed meeting, but besides that, there's a number of economic reports to keep in mind. We've got retail sales on Tuesday. Thursday is going to see a report on consumer prices. That'll give a good look at inflation. And Friday is going to include a report on housing starts. That's a look at the health of the home building market. And it promises to be another snoozer in terms of corporate news. Not much on the schedule in terms of earnings reports. Later in the week, we'll get results from Rite Aid, Oracle, and Kroger. All right, every week we like to wander off the beaten path a little bit, take a look at some money stories that aren't exactly Wall Street related. Right now, time for some of our quick hits. (laughs) Well, Netflix has released some data about binge-watching. The company said that when a person is into a series, they'll typically watch a little over two hours a day to complete a season. My 15 hours a day must have really skewed the results. The true average, if you leave me out, must be something like uh, 20 minutes a day. Alright, it's been all the rage on Broadway and the New York Times recently had a story about when Hamilton will pass the $1 billion mark in earnings. At an estimated pace of $100 million a year, it'll take about a decade to reach that level. The New York Times had said that Wicked, by the way, passed the $1 billion mark in 12 years. So I guess that means by the time I'm able to get tickets, Hamilton will have earned about, oh, let's see, uh, carry the one, uh, $2.7 billion. Anyway, uh, lastly, the trustee of Prince's estate is saying that taxes could eat up half of his fortune which is currently estimated at around a quarter billion dollars, or to put it in layman's terms, a $250 million. That could force the sale of a large number of unreleased songs left behind by the singer. Not sure if that's a bad thing, not not that they'd be sold, but maybe the music should be released either way, you know? And in case you're wondering what you could buy with that kind of money, well, an F-15 fighter jet costs about $30 million dollars. That means the taxes from Prince's estate would buy about four of them. Ron Cougar. All right, well, that'll put a wrap on it. Thanks, everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. And hey, if you like the show, please don't forget to go to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're over there, why don't you go ahead and rate and review the show, preferably with good reviews. You know, those good ratings help other people discover the show, so it's very helpful. And it also gives all of us around here another reason to stay busy and keep ourselves out of trouble. Also, make sure you let all your friends no, don't forget to check out our website at offbeatwallstreet.com. It's starting to come a little bit better now. We've got the primer on. The uh, second coat of paint is coming on very nicely. Still got to straighten out some of the pictures, but hey, you know, you can still check out the great content that's there throughout the week. You can also follow us on Twitter at offbeatwallstreet. That's street like S-T, like you'd see on a street sign. And a special thanks to our good friends at RTT News. Hey, you know, they provide a lot of the news and stats that we use on the show. So if you want other up-to-date info on the markets or if you just want to impress your friends with some really cool and mostly useful knowledge why not check them out right now at rttnews.com and as we say goodbye let's just remember that in this year of election what politics is really about the choice to be what you want to be and i wanted to be rich have a great week everybody